Good morning, brothers and sisters. We extend a warm welcome to everyone who has joined us in church this morning for worship of our triune God. A special welcome to any visitors and guests who have joined us today, including via live stream. May we all be comforted and encouraged by the preaching of the gospel of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ, and may God be praised by our worship. Consistory has the following announcements. The congregation is advised that Consistory has called a congregational meeting for Monday the 11th of December at 8pm here in this church building to deal with the proposals from the Civil Grove Steering Committee. All materials have been distributed electronically via church social. If you did not receive it or require a hard copy, please ask your ward elder or a member of the steering committee. The consistory as elders and deacons will meet tomorrow at 7.30pm with an elders only meeting to follow at quarter past eight. Next week, Sunday, the Lord willing, we will celebrate Lord's Supper in the morning service. This morning, the worship service will be led by Reverend Vandiacht, Emeritus Minister of our sister church in Byford. And before we commence the worship service, let us sing Psalm 22, verse nine. we confess that our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. Amen. Grace to you and peace from him who is and who wants us to come and from seven spirits right before his throne and from Jesus Christ the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead and the ruler of the kings of the earth. Amen. In response to salutation we will sing Psalm 67 first one.
Psalm 67, the verses two and three. Because for all these words, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall not have other no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above, or that is in the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth, you shall not bow down to them or serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. On it you shall do not, not, not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant, or your livestock, or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day, and made it holy. Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor, you shall not covet your neighbor's house, you shall not covet your neighbor's wife, nor his male servant, nor his female servant, nor his ox, or his donkey, or anything that is your neighbor's.
I believe in prayer. Oh Lord our God, it's amazing. You love your people and you have placed all your children in the hands of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. And you have given our Lord Jesus as a leader, as a commander, as a husband. And we know that it enjoys you to hear us crying to you as your church because you care for him and you are ready to give him according to the covenant provisions which you have laid up in store for Christ Jesus. And therefore we start this prayer by asking you to behold and visit the vine and the vineyard which your right hand has planted. Look upon Zion, your church. Look upon those whom you have chosen from before the foundation of the world, whom Christ has redeemed with blood, whose hearts he has won and holds, and who are his own, though they will be in the world. Holy Father, keep your people for Jesus' sake. Though they are in the world, let them not be of the world. May there be a significant distinction between them and the rest of mankind. And even as our Lord and Master was holy, harmless and undefiled and separate from sinners, so may it be with all believers in Christ. May they follow him and may they not know the voice of strangers. We pray to you for the preservation of your church in this world and especially for her purity. Almighty Father, keep us so that the evil one does not touch us. Yes, we will be tempted, but let Satan not prevail against us. In a thousand ways he will lay a snare for our feet, but deliver us as a bird from the snare of the fowler. May the snare be broken so that we may escape. Let not your church suffer dishonor at any time, but may your garments be always white. And we profess this desire of our souls to have fellowship with you in the reverent use of your holy ordinances. And to that purpose we pray earnestly for your grace and powerful assistance to sanctify your holy day, our Lord's day, in all its duties, public and private, and we pray this for ourselves 
and for all your congregations according to the riches and excellency of the gospel which this day is celebrated and enjoyed. Lord God, we have been unprofitable hearers of your word at many times and we cannot of ourselves receive the deep things, your word, the mysteries of Jesus Christ. This requires a spiritual discernment. And so we pray that you, Lord, may pour out your spirit of grace upon this means of grace. And we pray this, that you may receive such a measure of the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus our Lord, and in him of the things which belong to our peace, that we may count all things as waste compared to him, and that we, tasting the first fruits of glory, may long for a more full and perfect communion with him. And we pray that you would circumcise our ears and hearts to hear, love, and receive your words. Make us good soil to receive the good seed of the word and strengthen us against the temptations of Satan, the cares of the world, the hardness of our own hearts, and whatever may hinder us from profitable hearing. We pray that Christ may be so formed in us and live in us that all our thoughts may be brought into captivity to him and our hearts established in every good work forever. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. We will now read two passages from Scripture. We start our Scripture reading in the book of Ruth. And we'll read the first chapter 4, verse 1 to 17. And after that, we will read the story in Genesis 38. And after our scripture reading, we will sing hymn 16, the verses 1, 3, and 5. First Ruth 4, verse 1 to 17. Now Boaz has gone up to the gate and sat down there, and behold, the Redeemer, of whom Boaz had spoken, came by. So Boaz said, Turn aside, friend, sit down here. And he turned aside and sat down. And he took ten men of the elders of the city and said, Sit down here. So they sat down. Then he said to the Redeemer, Naomi, who has come back from the country of Moab, is selling the parcel of land that belonged to our relative Elimelech. So I thought I would tell you of it and say, Buy it in the presence of those who are sitting here and in the presence of the elders of my people. If you will redeem it, redeem it. But if you will not, tell me that I may know, for there is no one besides you to redeem it, and I come after you. 
And he said, I will redeem it. Then Boaz said, the day you buy the field from the hand of Naomi, you also acquire Ruth, the Moabite, the widow of the dead, in order to perpetuate the name of the dead in his inheritance. Then the Redeemer said, I cannot redeem it for myself, lest I impair my own inheritance. Take my right of redemption yourself, for I cannot redeem it. Now this was the custom in former times in Israel concerning redeeming and exchanging. To confirm a transaction, the one drew off his sandal and gave it to the other, and this was the manner of attesting in Israel. So when the Redeemer said to Boaz, buy it from yourself, he drew off his sandal. Then Boaz said to the elders and all the people, you are witnesses this day that I have bought from the hand of Naomi all that belonged to Elimelech and all that belonged to Kilian and to Malon. Also Ruth the Moabite, the widow of Malon, I have bought to be my wife to perpetuate the name of the dead in his inheritance, that the name of the dead may not be cut off from among his brothers and from the gate of his native place. You are witnesses this day. Then all the people who were at the gate and the elders said, We are witnesses. May the Lord make the woman who is coming into your house like Rachel and Leah, who together built up the house of Israel. May you act worthily in Ephrathah and be renowned in Bethlehem. And may your house be like the house of Pyrrhus, who Tamar bore to Judah because of the offspring that the Lord will give you by this young woman. So Boaz took Ruth and she became his wife and he went into her and the Lord gave her conception and she bore a son. Then the women said to Naomi, Blessed be the Lord who has not left you this day without a redeemer, and may his name be renowned in Israel. He shall be to you a restorer of life and a nourisher of your old age. For your daughter-in-law who loves you, who is more to you than seven sons, has given birth to him. Then Naomi took the child and laid him on her lap and became his nurse. And the women of the neighborhood gave him a name, saying, A son has been born to Naomi. They named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, the father of David. There's over the reading in the book of Ruth. Let's then go to Genesis 38. It happened at that time that Judah went down from his brothers and turned aside to a certain Adullamite, whose name was Hira. Then Judah saw the daughter of a certain Canaanite, whose name was Shua. He took her and went into her, and she conceived and bore a son. And he called his name Er. 
She conceived again and bore a son, and she called his name Onan. Yet again she bore a son, and she called him his name Sheila. Judah was in Gizeb when she bore him. And Judah took a wife for Er his firstborn, and her name was Tamar. But Er, Judah's firstborn, was wicked in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord put him to death. Then Judah said to Onan, Go into your brother's wife and perform the duty of her brother-in-law to her, and raise up offspring for your brother. But Onan knew that the offspring would not be his. So whenever he went in to his brother's wife, he would waste the salmon on the ground, so as not to give offspring to his brother. And what he did was wicked in the sight of the Lord, and he put him to death also. Then Judah said to Tamar, his daughter-in-law, Remain a widow in your father's house till Shelah, my son, grows up. For he feared that he would die like his brothers. So Tamar went and remained in her father's house. In the course of time, the wife of Judah, Shua's daughter, died. When Judah was comforted, he went up to Timnah to his sheep shearers, he and his friends Hiram, the Dolomite. And when Tamar was told, your father-in-law is going up to Timnah to shear his sheep, she took off her widow's garments and covered herself with a veil, wrapping herself up and sat in the entrance to Enion, which is on the road to Timnah. For she saw that Sheila was grown up, and she had not been given to him in marriage. When Judah saw her, he thought she was a prostitute, for she had covered her face. He turned to her at the roadside and said, Come, let me come in to you, for he did not know that she was his daughter-in-law. She said, What will you give me, that you may come in to me? He answered, I will send you a young goat from the flock. And she said, If you give me a pledge, until you send it. He said, What pledge shall I give you? She replied, Your signet and your cord and your staff that's in your hand. So he gave them to her and went into her, and she conceived by him. Then she arose and went away, and taking off her veil, she put on the garments of her widowhood. When Judah sent the young goat by his friend, the Dolomite, to take back the pledge from the woman's hand, he did not find her. And he asked the man of the place, Where is the cult prostitute who was at Inam at the roadside? And he said, No cult prostitute has been there. So he turned, returned to Judah and said, I have not found her. Also the man of the place said, No cult prostitute has been there, here. And Judah replied, Let her keep the things as her own, or we shall be laughed at. You see, I sent this young goat, and you did not find her. About three months later, Judah was told, Tamer, your daughter-in-law, has been immoral. Moreover, she is pregnant by immorality. And Judah said, Bring her out and let her be burnt. As she was being brought out, she sent word to her father-in-law, 
by the man to whom these belong, I am pregnant. And she said, please identify who these are, the signet and the court and the staff. Then Judah identified them and said, she is more righteous than I, since I did not give her to my son Sheila, and he did not know her again. When the time of her labor came, there were twins in the, her womb. And when she was in labor, one put out a hand, and the midwife took and tied a scarlet thread on his hand, saying, this one came out first. But as he drew back his hand, behold, his brother came out, and she said, What a bridge you have made for yourself. Therefore his name was called Pires. Afterwards his brother came out with a scarlet thread on his hand, and his name was called Zira. <coughs> Oh, 
Let's then read together the text for this morning, and you will find it in Ruth 4, verse 18 to 22. There we read. Now these are the generations of Pyrrhus. Pyrrhus' father Hezron. Hezron father Rem, Rem fathered Aminadab, Aminadab fathered Nation, Nation fathered Salmon, Salmon fathered Boaz, Boaz fathered Obed, Obed fathered Jesse, and Jesse fathered David. In response to the gospel, we will sing as our Amen song, hymn 23, the verses 1, 2, and 3. Congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, if you would read a romantic novel, you would expect that at the end of the story, all the problems are solved, and that the story comes to a climax when the two main characters find each other. And you will close the book with satisfaction everything turned out well. Therefore, on the face of it, it appears that the author of the book of Ruth does something silly. He ends his book in an anticlimax. The story peters out. First, you have the end of the book in verse 17. They named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, the father of David. And after the climax of this verse, the author comes with some additional information. He does not do this in a very attractive style. He only gives a dry review of the situation by supplying a list of names. Names you would leave out during our Bible reading at home as irrelevant and meaningless information. But don't be mistaken, it is just the other way around. You will find the climax of the book of Ruth in the ten names. And the genealogy of Pyrrhus makes clear what the actual purpose of the book of Ruth is. 
And without these verses, we would not be able to understand this purpose of the book of Ruth. For the story of this book is not about Ruth or Boaz. The main characters are not Obed of Naomi, who receives a redeemer. Even David is not the principal person. The list of names leads to David, that's clear. However, he is not the most important one. From the list of names, we become aware of the path the Lord follows to deliver his people and to give them rest. And with that end in view, the Lord goes back much further than we would ever have thought of. At the same time, he reaches in ahead much further than we can imagine. In the list of names, the Lord points to the dominion of the servant of the Lord. And in this way, I will summarize the message of our text. In the genealogy of Pyrrhus, the Lord points to the dominion of the servant of God. And we'll see this in the election of the house of Pyrrhus, the first aspect we will see. We will see this in the promise to the house of Pyrrhus, the second aspect we will see. And we'll see this in the eternal dominion of the house of Pyrrhus, the third aspect we will see. In short, in the genealogy of Pyrrhus, the Lord points to the dominion of the servant of God. We see this in the election of the house of Pyrrhus, the promise to the house of Pyrrhus, and the eternal dominion of the house of Pyrrhus. Brothers and sisters, have you ever heard about the one-note musician? She inspected her violin, took her seat in the orchestra, arranged the music and tuned the instruments. And as the concert began, the conductor skillfully queued up one group of musicians and then another, until finally the crucial moment arrived it was time for her note to be played. And the conductor signaled her to her. She sounded her note, and the moment was over. The orchestra played on, and the one-note player sat there quietly for the rest of the concert, not with a sense of disappointment that she had only played one note, but with joy that she had played her part in tune, on time, and with great gusto, she knew that she was part of a greater whole, and without her note, the whole concert would be a flop. All the parts are necessary in the execution of the music. And you notice this in our text as well. First you see the one note part of the score of God's care. We receive a picture of domestic happiness. 
Grandmother Naomi with the child of Boaz and Ruth on her lap and the visiting women next door around her chattering. In Boaz, Naomi has received a restorer of life and a nourisher of her old age. She has a marvelous daughter-in-law, better than seven sons. The Lord has restored her house and filled her lap with happiness. And they called his name Obed, that means servant. He is the father of Jesse, the father of David. In the time that there is no king in Israel, the Lord is busy filling this vacancy. And suddenly we see the whole score and hear the one note in the ear-flattering hall of the composition of God's grace. For the Lord says, Now these are the generations of Pires. And all of a sudden, you become aware that the whole story of Ruth is not just a happy family affair. The redemption of Elimelech's and Naomi's inheritance and descendants occurs in the wider context of God's election and our salvation. The small family history of Naomi and Ruth in the time of the judges ends in the wide current of the history of redemption. And in our story, the Lord makes clear that if you want to have a clear picture of what has happened to Naomi, you have to go back to Pyrrhus. To read the whole score, you must go back in history. And it is striking that we do not receive a reference to Judah as the forefather of David. For you all know that Judah is the king's tribe and that he has received the promise of God. Judah, your brother shall praise you. The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet, until tribute comes to him and to him shall be the obedience of the people. Genesis 49. And you wonder what is behind the fact that the Lord passed by Judah and speaks of the generations, the genealogy of Pires. Well, by referring to the generations of Pires, all our attention is focused on the birth of Pires and the history behind his birth in Genesis 38. Or actually... This story starts in Genesis 37, verse 2. These are the generations of Jacob. And with this term, the generations of, the Lord explains to us what happens in the house of Jacob. For what happens with the promises of God to Abram, Isaac, and Jacob? To cut a long story short, nothing will come of it. 
If everything is dependent on Jacob and his sons, there will be no future for the people of God. The sons of Jacob sell their brother Joseph to Egypt. And Judah disappears from the circle of the covenant as well. Not that Judah is forced to do so. He voluntarily leaves the church of his days. He loves the world. He mixes with the people of Canaan. He sees a daughter of one of the Canaanites, and he marries her. They receive three children, Er, On, and Shelah. And once more, Judah himself takes a wife from the Canaanites for Er, his firstborn son, Tamar. And the Lord punishes Er because of his sins. Er dies. So Judah gives the widow Tamar to his second oldest, Onan. Onan, however, refuses to father an heir for his brother. And this displeases the Lord. And Onan also dies under the striking hand of the Lord. And then Judah proceeds with caution. There is no repentance. Not at all. Judah walks with calculation. He still has another son. And he thinks that he has to be careful with his last son. For there is a danger that if Shelah comes too close to Tamar, he will die as well. And therefore his youngest son is better off staying out of her way. And therefore Judah sent Tamar back to her father's house. Remember, it is Judah who acts and excludes his son from the promises and the messianic future. He refuses to give his two dead sons descendants. Then we peep behind the scenes of the immoral Canaanite temple service. And Judah's involvement therein. Tamar dresses up like a temple prostitute. And Judah goes into her during the harvest festivities. And he does it not only to satisfy his own sexual desires. But this immorality has an important place in the fertility religion of the Canaanites. In this way, they thought to bid for the favor of their idols with respect to the harvest of the next year. And the consequences soon make themselves felt. Judah has fathered a child with Tamar. And when Judah hears the rumors about her pregnancy, his judgment is rough and harsh. Bring her out! And let her be burnt. Though this is what happened with the house of Judah. The lineage of Abram, Isaac and Jacob leads nowhere. The genealogy of Jacob peters out through the immoral behavior of Judah, God's child. The masterpiece of God's work of deliverance ends up in disaster through Judah. He plays out of tune. 
and diametrically opposed to this human failure, we see the pleasure of God in the election of Peter's house. The promises to a Judah are aggregated in his son's Peter's. Peter's, the way your father went, is a no through road. You, Peter's, are the one all the generations of this world will praise. For the scepter shall not depart from you, O Peter's, nor the ruler's staff from between your feet, until Shiloh, that is Christ, comes to him, and to him shall be obedience of the peoples. The generations of Peter's tell us that the Lord will redeem his people according to his divine pleasure and election. He chooses Peter's. The struggle against his twin brother is already thrust out in their mother's womb. In Peter's it becomes obvious that the redemption of God's people is through grace alone. And therefore, in the genealogy of Pyrrhus, we face the good pleasure of God, who has already chosen his children in his servant before the foundation of the world. And in the generation of Pyrrhus, it becomes clear that God has adopted us as his children in his servant, our Lord Jesus Christ, alone. It is only according to his good pleasure we hear, now these are the generations of Pyrrhus. And what is the catchword of the generations of Pyrrhus? Remember the term in scripture, what actually happens in the house of Pyrrhus? We have already come to the conclusion that through Judah's immorality, nothing will come of the genealogy of Jacob. But now we hear the tune of our redemption. By grace alone, according to God's good pleasure, the grace and election of God leads the tone in the church. Pyrrhus was chosen instead of his twin brother Zira, and Pyrrhus begot Hezron, an insignificant person in the whole of history of redemption. And we can say the same of Aminadab. The Lord has chosen the foolish and weak, despised the thing of the world to put to shame things which are wise and mighty. Ram is chosen instead of his older brother. Uramiel. Nation, who is especially chosen from the congregation of Israel by the Lord in the wilderness to guide God's people. Salmon, who at the entry of the promised land marries Rahab, the whore. And find the Moabitized Ruth. Obed is chosen to serve God's. Over and against expectations. We do not hear of Elimelech in these generations of Pyrrhus. The Lord chooses Boaz. And instead of King Saul, the Lord chooses the line of Jesse. And in the house of Jesse, 
the Lord chose the youngest, the most insignificant among the brothers, David. And he also chooses David, his servant, and takes him from the sheepfolds. From following the youths and youngs, he brings him to shepherd Jacob, his people, and Israel, his inheritance. David, a name full of promises in the genealogy of Pyrrhus, a name full of promises, for now it becomes clear that in him all the generations are blessed. For in his house we receive a king on the throne of David forevermore. And again, it is all according to God's good pleasure that he gives us this servant of God and that we may live under his dominion. Because we hear in scripture that the servant of God has no form of comeliness and there is no beauty that we should desire him. Grace is the order of the day. And the election of the house of Pyrrhus makes clear that everything is to the praise of the glory of God's grace. For our election is in line with the election of Pyrrhus' house. For he has chosen in us in Christ, the servant of God. So we may glorify God because of the grace we have received in Christ Jesus our Lord. And we may play our part in the concert of life to the honor of God. Perhaps we are only a one-note musician who only have a, full, a small contribution in the whole. And every tone we play is a false one as well. But this does not alter the fact that the score of our redemption sounds wonderful. It is God's masterpiece and the orchestra of God's good pleasure drowns down the weak and sinful singer of God's grace. So that he who glories, let him glory in the Lord alone. And this brings us to the second aspect. The genealogy we find in our text is not an ordinary one. It is not one we are used to. If I want to know something about my ancestry, I start at the present. I write my name down, then I write down the name of my father, my grandfather, and slowly but surely I delve into my past. In our text it's the other way around. The family tree starts with Pyrrhus and goes forward. And it's already obvious from the first few words, these are the generations of Pyrrhus. And every time in scripture when God's people arrive at an important stage of the history of their salvation, you will find that word, generations, better, genealogy. For it functions as a kind of a signpost. It shows us in which direction the Lord guides his people. At the same moment, it shows us the no-through roads as well. 
With this word, the author ties in with the past, Pyrrhus, it starts with him, at the same moment he anticipates what follows. Thus, these are the generations of Pyrrhus means that the Lord makes a fresh start with Pyrrhus and gives a rough sketch of the results. Pyrrhus, he is the firstborn of Judah. And as the legal heir, he received the blessing of Judah. Judah, your brother shall praise you, your hand shall be on the neck of your enemies, your father's son shall bow down before you. Judah is a lion's cup. The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet, until Shiloh comes to him, and to him shall be the obedience of the people. Genesis 49. In Peter's lineage, the blessing of Judah is preserved. And this becomes obvious again and again in the names of the house of Pyrrhus, the Lord mentions. When Father Jacob goes down to Egypt, we hear that Pyrrhus goes as well. Now these are the names of the descendants of Israel who came into Egypt, Jacob and his sons, the sons of Judah, Er, On, and Shelah, Pires and Sira. But Aaron Owen died in the land of Canaan, and the sons of Pires were Hezron and Hamel. In this way, the people of God are preserved. Think of the words of Joseph after the death of his father Jacob. God meant it for good to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. When the people of Israel, after 430 years, returned to the Promised Land, Moses received the mandate to take a census of all the congregation of the children of Israel. And it becomes clear that the Lord has preserved the house of Pyrrhus. Although all the men aged 20 years old and above have died, the family of Pyrrhus as the bearer of God's promises has been preserved and the tribe of Judah is even more numerous than ever before. And the biggest tribe of Israel, Judah, has to go up first against the Canaanites to fight against them for the Lord has delivered the land into his hands. And in this way the Lord will fulfill the promise given to Judah and provides for the future in the generation of Pyrrhus. The event. The fulfill, the, he fulfills the promise given to Judah and provides for the future in the generations of Pyrrhus. The promise of deliverance, the deliverance of God's people, and the rest of God will give to his people through the king in the house of Pyrrhus. And at the conquest, Salmon is the instrument used in God's hand to fulfill his promise. Boaz has the key role in the time of the judges. Jesse comes to the fore in the time of Saul until this promise is fulfilled in the dominion of God's servant after his own heart, David. 
Since the time of the judges, there are no oppressors anymore, and the Lord causes David to rest from all his enemies. This is the genealogy of Pyrrhus. It starts with him. But notice the end as well. David. And the dominion of this servant of God shall be established forever. The scepter shall not depart from Pyrrhus' house until Shiloh comes. The Prince of Peace. Jerusalem becomes a remarkable royal seat in the house of Pyrrhus. For in the capital place and tabernacle, palace and temple will be next to each other. Between the walls of Jerusalem, the kingship and the priesthood will be united. The lion of the house of Judah has to become the lamb. Of for the sacrifice as well. That is the ultimate promise to the house of Judah and the genealogy of Pyrrhus. It leads to that aim. It leads to the coming of Christ. There is still a long way to go. The advent. Until Shiloh comes. That is, until we hear the failure of Pierre's lineage as well, as, well, as well. For the house of David will end in exile. But on that day the Lord will raise up the bird of David that has fallen. Amos 9 verse 11. There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse and a branch from his root shall bear fruit. In that day there shall be a root of Jesse who shall stand as a banner to the people for the Gentiles shall seek him and his resting place shall be glorious until Shiloh comes. The genealogy of Pyrrhus leads to the fulfillment of the promises of, to the house of Pyrrhus. And therefore when we read in the New Testament about Mary and Joseph we see the boot of David which has fallen down and the stem of Jesse. The Shiloh of the Lord will be born and the promises fulfilled. The scepter of Judah and the genealogy of Pyrrhus lead to Jesus and the kingdom of God. The king who is the perfect king. The priest who is the perfect priest. The lion of Judah's tribe is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered. In him all the families of the earth shall be blessed. For he has sanctified Tamar, Rahab, Naomi and Ruth with his own blood. His blood that was poured out on Golgotha for the complete forgiveness of all our sins. For the child of Mary and Joseph became the eternal king on the throne of David. And you may share in all his blessings. We listen to this blessing with a bowed head and with a contrite heart. For our consciences accuse us.
We haven't deserved this. But yet, we make may take our score and sing the song of the Lamb in the midst of the great multitude which no one can number to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory might forever and ever. And this brings you to the third aspect. The genealogy of Peter at the end of the book of Ruth deviates from a normal family tree in other aspects as well. When we make a list of our ancestors, we list all of them, and nobody is missing. Our list has to be as accurate as possible. But in the genealogy of the book of Ruth, only a few names are mentioned. And to be precise, we find only 10 names. This is done on purpose. Not because the other names are not known, but that number 10 has a special meaning in scripture. Remember the 10 elders of the city Boaz used as witnesses for the redemption of Ruth? 10 is the number of completion, the number of fulfillment. It is on purpose that we have 10 commandments, the complete and perfect will of God to live in this world. In the Gospel of Matthew we hear about 10 miracles. And this points to the completeness of the work of our Lord Jesus. And when we find ten names in the genealogy of Pyrrhus, it explains to us something about the Lord. The faithfulness of the Lord goes from the first to the tenth generation. The Lord shows his faithfulness from Pyrrhus till David included. The work of redemption continues without interruption. His promises are for all the families of the earth. In the days of Ruth, the Lord is busy with the complete deliverance of his people. In the time the judges ruled, there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. And the Lord had promised to give his people a king. Well, he is faithful. He goes from Pyrrhus to David, ten generations long, and he gives more than we could dream of, of an eternal king on the throne of David, the eternal rest. And now we understand that the author brings the story of Ruth and Boaz to a climax in the genealogy of Pyrrhus. Everything turns out well. It is about the event of Christ. No, it went well not in the same way as when we close our novels. It is, however, a real love story 
the genealogy tells us about the eternal love of God. For God so loved the world that he gave the genealogy of Pyrrhus that tells us about his only begotten son. It points to gen ten generations, the faithfulness of God in the lineage of the generations that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. The list of ten names tells me about God's counsel and will concerning my redemption. He embraced me with his everlasting care. For it is our eternal king who sits on the throne of his father David at the right hand of God who defends me and preserves me in the redemption he has obtained for us. Yes, I am that one-town musician in this. It is as if I am behind the piano and want to become a great pianist. But no matter how hard I try, I generate only false tones and tunes. And then suddenly the composer is there and takes a place next to me on the piano bench. He listens for a moment. And after a moment he begins to play along with me adding chords, runs, the arpeggio. I still continue my efforts, but at the same moment I can't believe my ears. It is a masterpiece, thanks to his composition and play. The Lord is able to take the little that I am able to do and to turn it into something beautiful for him. Don't despise the small things in your own eyes. In this, the love of God was manifested towards us, that God has sent his only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through him. And this is love, that we walk according to his commandments. So let us of Christ our Lord and Savior sing. He was born in Bethlehem. He made himself of no reputation. He took the form of a servant and became obedient to the point of death. And therefore God also highly exalted him and has given him the dominion over all the earth. So that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow. Amen.
You have now the opportunity to set your gifts apart for the Ministry of Mercy. And after that, we will sing together hymn 23, the verses 4, 5, and 6.
Amalehi prayer. In our prayer, we also will commend to the Lord Brother John Mohani, who is living in Fairhaven, but had to be admitted into the hospital because of medical problems. Let us pray. Almighty God and Heavenly Father, we are grateful that we may enter into your holy presence. You are the Holy One, and we are allowed to be your children. And we know this is not our imagination, but you have told us that in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, we are allowed to call you Abba, Father. And we thank you for this privilege. Because if you treat us to according to our iniquities, you are obliged to ban us and to expel us from your holy presence. And we thank you that we are allowed to come to you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We heard about his genealogy in the genealogy of Pyrrhus that you fulfilled your promises which ended up in King David but then again we as your children spoiled everything and therefore we are thankful that in the line of David our king and master was born in Bethlehem. And we are thankful that in the coming weeks we may remember this and are comforted by it. That you are willing to accept us as your children and that we may receive the strength to serve you in everything we do. And thankfully we may confess that through Christ we will receive the victory. Help us to live accordingly and not to conform to the idols of this world, but to live in a close relationship with you. Make us and our children faithful in our contact with you, that we meditate your word daily, and that there is an increase in faithfulness in our personal lives. We pray for all your children who do not have the opportunity to live in freedom. Comfort your children under persecution, and take that burden off their shoulders. But if that is not possible because of your counsel, we ask you, encourage them. Give them a strong faith that you will fulfill all your promises so that they may glorify your name also in times of suffering. We are all weak people in adversities, but also in prosperity of our lives as the Israelites in the Old Testament and the new people in the New Testament. Yes, we are in danger to go astray. Therefore, give all of us the perseverance of faith, for this is only possible thanks to your faithfulness. We plead upon your promises to be with your children 
And therefore we ask you also bless the work of mission. Our work in Papua New Guinea give all involved what is necessary to be faithful in their task so that the churches there may grow and may glorify your name as well. Also in other places in this world give that the gospel can be proclaimed even in our own environment. Lord, we commend to you our government in our federation, in our state, locally. We know that there is a big concern about the direction they steer our country. Give them all the insight that, you have to, that they have to rule according to your word and that they have to seek the well-being of all Australian citizens by keeping your commandments. And we ask you, bless all the work done in your kingdom. You have blessed us in so many ways. We express our thankfulness because of all the good things we have received, our health, our task to do, our work, our work at school, our money, the essentials of life, clothing, food, yes, much more. You have blessed us in abundance. You gave joy and thankfulness to brother and sister Dow and Julia Rupke. Now they received a healthy baby daughter out of your hands. What a blessing that together with her parents she is your child. And we look forward that we may witness with our own eyes at her baptism that all your promises are for Isabella, Hannah and her parents and for us. And we know our Heavenly Father, you have a special place for our children, our Lord. Jesus said, let the children come to me. Do not hinder them from such belong the kingdom of God. Give therefore all the parents the strength to be faithful to you in the care of their children. And we pray you'll be with all the expectant mothers and their unborn children. Your name will be glorified out of the mouth of nursing infants and babes. Therefore we ask you to preserve their lives and give joy in the new time because of your deeds. And be with all who according to your good pleasure did not receive children. You did not hear, you heard their prayers when they asked for your blessings. But also... When you will answer their prayer in a different way, give the strength to look, look up to you in the sure knowledge that you will give what is good, even in situations we don't understand. Enable us all in our respective callings to live according to your will and to use the talents you have given us to serve you in your kingdom. Give us the spiritual power to see your blessings as means to serve you. It is our desire that your name should receive all glory because of us. Preserve us from evil. Keep us in health and safety. And therefore we commend to you all who are sick. Especially now we heard also that Brother John Mahoney had to be admitted into hospital at his old age. Give him what is necessary, but first and foremost, give him that he may rely on you, also in this difficult situation, and that he is assured again and again 
that his life is in your hands. Be then also with the family who support him. Give them all what is necessary. Be with all who suffer with health issues. Give whenever necessary healing. But first and foremost also that in times of sickness or when we are growing older and we feel the weaknesses of our body that we may glorify you for that we realize that everything has a purpose and that you will care even when our own strength diminishes. Give us your grace to do our task this week. Give us grace to live together in peace and holy love. Show your mercy and fulfill your promises that you will raise those who are bowed down and that you watch over the strangers and will relieve the fatherless and the widow. We pray you be with us in all our circumstances and help us that we may serve you and praise your name. And that in everything we do, we glorify you for the salvation you have given us in our Lord Jesus Christ. Let our whole life here on earth be a demonstration of thankfulness. To you, the alone wise God, be glory through Jesus Christ forever. Amen. As our closing song, we will sing hymn 35, the verses 1, 2, and 5.
Lift up your hearts unto God, receive the blessing of the Lord, and depart in peace. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you, be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen.